come before you in worship, uh, to give you the praise that rightfully belongs to you. Lord, we thank you for all things. Lord God, as we continue to move into this new year, we ask you that you would touch our hearts, that we would not lose hope in the midst of trying times and tribulations, persecutions. In the midst of it all, Lord God, we come to you. We pray that you would turn a sour thing sweet. Because again, Lord God, you said in your word, this is what you said in your word, that all things work together for good to those who love God, to the call according to your purpose, Lord. So turn things around. Clarify our hearts and our minds and keep us focused on you this year. So, Father, again, we love you. We thank you. Now, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer, in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Well, who in here today would like more money? If I handed you $10,000, would you turn it down? Or what could you do right now with half a million dollars? Right? Here's half a million dollars. What would you do with that? We know that money is a very powerful. It is a very influential force in the world, isn't it? Money has always been the shaker and mover of things. In fact, money sometimes determines who you will marry. Right? Thank goodness my wife married a rich man. Amen? Money determines when you will get married. Money determines whether or not if you will get married. Some people say, well, I just don't want all the burden. I don't want anyone. It's going to be me for the rest of my life. I don't want it. When you look at the wars that have occurred throughout history, if you go behind the curtain, uh, oftentimes money is also the issue. Now, uh, granted, they may not always talk about money, but they will talk about land. They will talk about people, and they'll talk about titles. But at the end of the day, it is about money. It circles round about back to money. For instance, when you think of the Middle East today, I'm not talking about yesteryear, we're talking about today. And when you begin to think about all the skirmishes that happen all over the Middle East, uh, do you not realize at the end of the day it's about money? It is about oil and who's going to control it because the controller of oil uh, has the tendency to control most things in the world. Right? Because it, 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 it runs lots of things. Yeah, uh, they talk about religion. Yes, that's true. But at the end of the day, even the religionists, uh, they want the oil. Don't be fooled. 
Yet, when some of you hear me as a preacher talk about money, you become uneasy. You become uneasy to the point of discomfort uh, because you should you believe that a preacher should not talk about money, but only talk about spiritual things. But guess what? Money is a spiritual issue. Money is mentioned more times in scripture than you can possibly imagine. Why? Again, because it is at the root cause of so much conflict. Think about your own family. Think about your own family for a second. Especially when you think about your own family and when someone dies, passes away, oftentimes there's, oh, I need to figure out what I'm going to get. The conflict that happens within the family unit when someone passes away, oftentimes that conflict happens because of, here it is again, and you know the word, and it is money, even at death. Look at some of the laws that have been passed in our country, or not passed. There are, of course, there are, of course, many good laws, but there are so many laws and so many loopholes that exist that it appear to protect the wealthy, <laughs> whether it's individuals or corporations. Uh, uh, those who run the whole thing, it's, again, it goes back to resources. So, having said all of that, Surely you're thinking today's message is about money. But guess what? Today's message is not about money per se. This message is not about how uh, the church can squeeze more out of an individual person, especially when you have nothing else remaining at the end of the month. This message is not about that. No, no. Today's message today begins a series about us reflecting the values of God. In other words, what do we really value? What is important to God? And do we as followers of Jesus Christ reflect those same values? For instance, uh, your children are expected to reflect the values that you instill upon them when they are young and when they grow older, when they leave the house. You expect for them to act likewise. You don't expect your children, when you are raising them, that once they get out of your house, that they're going to act like a bunch of fools. You want them to reflect honor, respect, hard work, right? You want them to reflect the values that you have instilled in them. You want them to reflect the value of the love of Jesus Christ. So in today's passage, we find the Jewish leaders, again at odds with Jesus. You know that they have been fighting Jesus back and forth, and they're trying to figure out what do we do with this guy? What do, they, what do we do with this Jesus who calls himself the Christ, who calls himself Messiah? Now we know that Jesus was not a favorite person of the religious leaders and the political leaders, right? Like the Sadducees, the scribes, the Pharisees, and the Herodians. 
Herodians, in fact, they were looking to preserve the rule of Herod's family dynasty in the region. So uh, they had come to power within uh, that Middle Eastern area, and the Herod uh, dynasty, were, uh, they were looking to make sure that their sons and their daughters ascend to the throne. About them. It's all about politics. Again, about wealth, yes. About power, yes. And then you're very or more familiar with the Pharisees. The Pharisees, in one sense, they were a spiritual group because they were looking for the messianic kingdom. And they wanted to remove the power. Listen to this. <clears throat> they wanted to remove the power of the Herods power of Rome. So the Pharisees were at odds with the Herodians, right? They were anti-Herodian. They were anti-Rome. They didn't want anything to do with that because them, amongst other nations, had sacked the entire nation of, uh, of Israel for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. But even with this often uh, intense disagreement between these two groups, these Pharisees and Herodians, uh, they both had one enemy in common. You ever heard the saying that uh, my enemy and your enemy means we have, we can become friends, right? All right, we have the sense, we have the same enemy, we can become friends. So the Herodians and the Pharisees, they had an, an enemy uh, in, in common, you know who that enemy is, or who it was. Uh, that enemy was Jesus. And because many of their ploys were thus far unsuccessful, they tried this and they tried that. Uh, let's get this Jesus. Let's grab him and let's throw him over a cliff and Jesus would disappear. Uh, let's get him to say this and that. Uh, but Jesus managed to work his way out of the situation. So they had been unsuccessful. But now they invented a new scheme to entrap Jesus. And that scheme was called All About the Benjamins. All about, hey guys, let's get together. I got a name for it. We're going to call it All About the Benjamins. Mark chapter 12. Verse 13, Mark chapter 12, verse 13. What happens when bad people go on a hunting exposition? What happens when bad people go on a hunting exposition? Expedition. Verse 13. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came and said to him, teacher, right? Uh, they can't stand him, but they're calling him teacher, right? They can't stand Jesus. Oh, 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 teacher. Oh, teacher, would you teach us something, please? There are no people like that. Uh, say something, call you with a really nice name, and you said, what you want, Willis? What you want. And they came to him and said to him, teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion. 
For you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Right? <laughs> Isn't that great? Can't you hear the setup coming? Oh, man, you got it all together. You know everything. You ain't listening to nobody. You your own man. You your own woman. So we want to tell you not to listen to anyone. Jesus knew exactly what was going on. But truly teach the way of God. Here it is. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? So the trap is set. Right? Uh, they got Jesus uh, set in their scope. Uh, they're just waiting for him to take the bait. <clears throat> and as soon as he takes the bait, uh, they want to go ahead and say, fire, we got him. So our passage starts off with the leaders of this community wanting to trap Jesus. We know other ways in which they plotted in order to uh, shut Jesus and his ministry down, like questioning his authority and denouncing the actions of his disciples. Uh, you, you recall some of those things? Uh, Jesus, uh, uh, your disciples don't even wash their hands before they eat dinner. So uh, remember how Jesus shut them down? So when your children come to you and their hands are not washed and then and you as a parent tell your children, you know, you need to wash your hands. And when your parents and your children tell you, uh, be away from me, you Pharisee, just say that your child's been just like Jesus. Amen. But obviously, again, up to this point, they had been totally unsuccessful. Now, verse 13 says, they wanted to trap him, right? Uh, doesn't it say that? And verse 13, and they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to do what? To, okay, uh, maybe you were asleep, but it says they wanted to what? They wanted to trap him. How? In his what? Talk. In order to trap an animal, you must use special bait that would be attractive to them. You see, a bear, we think, would love to have get his or her hands on honey, right? Mice would love to nibble on some of the cheese or peanut butter that you have around in your house. What about you? What traps you? What is the little bitty thing that really got you or gets you going. Oh, you may not like this. This is true, right? The devil kind of knows that about you. Oh, yeah, you, do. you know, money is not your issue. Amen? And for some of you, uh, uh, not even sex is your issue. Amen? But for some of you, maybe it's just, uh, I just need fame in my life. Maybe that's the thing. Or it could be alcohol. You don't care about money, you don't care about wealth, you don't care about sex, but you do care about alcohol or drugs. What is that one bait that Satan always puts before you to trap you? Everybody in here, can you say everybody? Come on, everybody. Everybody uh, has that one bait that Satan knows that he, if he lays it out there, that you're going to walk past and you're seeing, oh, wait, 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 wait a minute. There's always that one thing 
But we know how we get out of it is by pleading to the Lord, asking the Lord to protect us, amen, uh, putting on the full arm of God, whereas you may see it, but then you will continue to walk past it, amen. And even if one day you get caught, you have to learn how to repent, amen. Amen? Uh, because uh, you will remain in that trap until you finally find where repentance is. Then Jesus will rescue you. So, uh, mice are like cheese or peanut butter and you like what you like. Uh, some people like quick, get quick, rich schemes. You can't resist, you know, here's a way to have great property and, and, and flip them in 60 days or less. Take all your money and you do that. Next thing you know, you're underwater. You can't figure out how you got underwater. So what types of things lure you? What is your, what is the bait in your trap? So once lured into that situation by the bait of the trap, it closes shut very quickly, very finally, and you realize it. And when you turn around, it's too late and you can't get out. trap that's set for Jesus. No, it's not about money. No. It's about true allegiance. It's about true allegiance. So, here's the question. Should you pay taxes or not? Should you pay taxes or not? Again, verse 14 they asked Jesus, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? You know, to hear this question, is, it sparks a new conversation for some of you, especially in your brains that you may be having right now at the beginning of the year because you know you're going to turn around and April 15th is going to be here. You know that uh, the end of 2019 has, has already expired and now uh, there is a new master trying to uh, get more from you. You may not ask that same question, but you're certainly wondering why do you have to pay so much money to the government? I remember my first, and some of you may have had this experience before, the very first legitimate paycheck that I had in my life. I remember the first check I got, I looked at it, and they took a, a bunch of money out for FICA. I'm like, well, who the heck is FICA? I didn't even, I didn't know I was like 12 or 13 years old. I'm like, who is FICA? And why did they take so much money out of my check? Can I get my money back? I never signed up for FICA. And then you find out, you know, over the years, you know, oftentimes the misuse of federal, state, local funds, you ask yourself the question over again, I really just don't want to pay taxes. <laughs> and some, they figure what they do is they, they decide to flee one state and go to another state. They say, like in our state, that the property taxes are so high on real estate that we're going to go to a different state. <laughs> and some discover as I discovered when we moved to a different state before that whereas you don't have the property taxes they'll give a, a personal property tax where you're paying two three four five hundred dollars on your vehicle every single year 
And they think that by fleeing another state, they're fleeing all the taxes. So uh, they said there's two things that, that are absolutely certain in life, and they are death and taxes. So you don't want to pay taxes, and you see when the issue is brought up. And I'm not here to tell you today, amen, not to pay your taxes, amen. Pastor Spencer never said don't pay your taxes. Uh, uh, give the Caesar what, what was his anyway, okay, amen. But hold on. What if you had to pay the taxes and then the people who actually collect your taxes, that they were asking more money from you? Right? They had their own personal tax that they're trying to collect from you. Would this ease your frustration or would it ratchet up your pressure even more? It is within this backdrop that we find Jesus and the Pharisees and the Herodians as they set this trap for the Lord about taxes. So should a person pay taxes to the government or not? Uh, we don't understand. But when a person during this ancient time when they paid taxes, uh, they were also showing an allegiance to the king, uh, the Caesar, or the emperor, right? So it's not just a matter of paying a percentage, but by paying your taxes, you also, says, you also say that I'm also loyal to the king or the emperor. Imagine today if someone were to tell you, I want your taxes, but you also say, you also need to say I'm loyal to the president. Ah, you oh, go ahead, pay your taxes, but you better say that you're loyal to the president. You see, at this time, if you were not loyal to Caesar, if you were not loyal to the emperor, if you were not loyal to the king, what would they do with you? They would lock her up. They would lock him up. That's what they would do. They would put you in jail or find some way to punish you. Maybe they'd tear your whole house down. But they would find some way to punish you. So uh, the idea here is that they were asking Jesus about Caesar. Are you loyal to Caesar? Caesar uh, had put this in place and you had to abide by it. Now, uh, that's one thing, right? Disloyalty to Caesar. But the problem with the question is also this. On the other hand, if you were a Jew, you were expected. You hear what I say, expected? You were expected to rail against any established power other than a Jewish one. So if there were a, a king or emperor from, from Rome ruling your entire nation, you could not support them if you were Jewish. Why? Because all powers as it relates to Israel uh, were foreign powers who only sought to control the fate of the nation. They wanted the resource. They wanted the position geographically. Hundreds of years Israel had been subject to the whims and the impulses of foreigners. Therefore, you could be labeled as being disloyal to the Jewish nation and the Jewish people. So should you pay taxes to Caesar or not? Right? Because if I say yes, then the Jewish people are going to be on my back. But if I say no, then Caesar is going to come after me. 
again, this section of scripture is not a treaty on whether or not you should pay your taxes. How should Jesus answer this question? Jesus responds by glorifying God. Jesus responds by doing what? Glorifying. So they, uh, Jesus knew they were trying to trick him, but what does he do? He responds by glorifying God. Verse 15, Mark chapter 12. But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. And he brought one and they brought one. And he said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, render or give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And to God, the things that are God's. Give to Caesars the things that are Caesars. And to God, give to God the things that are God's. That are God's. And, and they marveled at him. So in other words, uh, be wise enough to take something that was meant to hurt you and use it to glorify the Lord. Take the very thing that, uh, that was mentioned to get you into a trap, uh, the very thing that, uh, th that was get to, to beat you down and try to be wise enough and walk in the spirit strong enough uh, to glorify God in the midst of that. This is one of the trickiest roads to travel. It's tricky because once you realize the lack of truth and hypocrisy in the other person, you want to out them. You uh, want everybody to see them for who they are. You want to expose them for being liars, for being opportunists and cheats. You want to cry from the rooftops about how untrustworthy they are. And Jesus could have taken that route. But what was Jesus' goal all along? Jesus' goal all along is to bring glory to God by establishing a relationship between God and people. In other words, it was about the good news, right? So if, if he allowed them to control the conversation about his purpose, then his purpose would be totally struck. Don't allow other people to control uh, your purpose in life. Amen? Know who you are. Amen? Know who you are, right? And it all starts by knowing who you are in the Lord. How is this possible to bring glory to God if your goal in life is for revenge or to hurt someone? It all goes back to purpose. Is your purpose to glorify God in his kingdom through the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or is it to digress and lower yourself to the level of scum? Don't allow yourself to be drugged into the gutter. 
Those that want to live in the gutter, let them live in the gutter. And you go ahead and you live high and you keep your mind stay upon the Lord and you let uh, the Lord deal with the degenerates. Amen? Now I know the malicious intent of others like the Pharisees and the Herodians, right, uh, force us sometimes to want to deal with them harshly. Especially when people are trying to hurt you. In this case, the Jewish leaders were trying to do away with Jesus in a way that they thought Jesus would entangle himself. In other words, they said, what we're going to do is we're just going to give Jesus some rope and we're going to let him hang himself. Here you go. Uh, Jesus, we have this pretty little rope for you. Uh, here you go. It, it, it fits well around. What size neck do you have? You have 16, 17, Jesus. What size neck? I'll go ahead and try it on. I'll try it around your neck. Oh, Jesus, you look so good with that rope around your neck. Uh, why don't you uh, put a chair there and then throw it up in the, the sky and make a really, really hard knot and then see if it's strong. See if it's strong, Jesus. Then if it's really, really strong, see how strong it is. And then jump off the chair and see how strong that rope is. Go ahead, Jesus. They wanted Jesus to hang himself. They wanted him to incriminate himself, incriminate himself. In this case, they wanted to do away with him. But Jesus, he's God, so he's not going to be caught up in that mess, uh, the mess of sinfulness of other people. Jesus' purpose was to be redeemer of the world and to present himself as the long sought after Messiah. In fact, the entire world was looking for the Messiah. So know this, that always walking in your purpose keeps you out of trouble. Amen? Walking in your purpose keeps you what? Out of trouble. One more time. Walking in your purpose, what? Keeps you out of trouble. Some things glorify the world and some things glorify God. Now, the world's standard can be used to bring clarity to our values. When we see the world go left, we know we don't belong left, or you're left, uh, that we belong right. Uh, we're clear. We're not going down that path. You may uh, not ascribe to the leanings of this world, uh, but knowing what they are helps you to walk strongly in Christ. Jesus asked him, okay, give me a coin, right? Give me a denarius. Well, how much was a denarius worth? And today's money is worth about $8 or 7.14 euros, for those who are listening other places, in today's money. So the amount was not significant, but it was enough to make a point. So Jesus asked the question, well, whose face is on the coin? Right? And they can imagine him... Uh, replying very boastfully, Caesar's face is on the coin. It's Caesar. Which meant that Caesar had tremendous influence as seen by his image being stamped on every single coin. The name Caesar, it carried great weights. This is why part of the bait for Jesus was for the Jewish leaders to say, we know you don't care about anyone's opinion. In other words, when they said that back in verse 14, 14, that you don't care about anyone's opinion, what they were saying is, you're supposed to be this great teacher. You're supposed to only be mindful of the things of God, 
right? You're teaching the things of God. And if you're teaching the things of God, you should not mind what Caesar says. But we already know the trap has been set because not minding what the things that Caesar has said would put them, him in trouble. If Jesus didn't care about anyone's opinion, he also would not care about Caesar's opinion. So they thought as they tried to lead him, here's a little bit more rope, Jesus. If Jesus felt this way, he needed to make uh, this declaration in front of these leaders and anyone else listening. If he cared about hypocritical opinions of others, then what he taught uh, would diminish his authority in the eyes of his father. So either way it goes, right? Uh, six in one hand, ha uh, half a dozen in the other, uh, 50 here and 50% in the other, right? Uh, either way it goes that Jesus would have found himself in trouble. So Jesus told them if Caesar's image is imprinted on the coin, then go ahead and give that coin to Caesar's. Yeah, if his face is on it, yeah, maybe, it's belong, maybe it belongs to him anyway. So, again, was this a statement about the attitude we need to have about taxes, folks? Is this a statement about our attitude about taxes? No. Jesus was not teaching that. It was a statement about a coin reflecting the value that Caesar assigns to it. If Caesar decides it's more valuable today than yesterday, uh, then that's what Caesar has designed uh, for it to, uh, the value uh, that, that was ascribed to it, right? Why? Because it bears his image. That coin did not glorify God. That coin glorified Caesar or the government. And since it bared his image, it belonged to him. And this is what Jesus was trying to tell the people, in other words, no, not about taxes, but what image is being bared. Therefore, Jesus says to give to Caesar the things that belong to him. Now, you can, this can shake you up a little bit. It can shake you up because now you are wondering how much should we give Caesar or how much should I give to the government? If FICA comes a-knocking at my door, should I give more? It rhymes, by the way. Should I give more? If our state comes crying for more or raises the percentage that I owe. The things that exist, brothers and sisters, are only temporary anyway. You're not going to be able to take your money, your house, your car, anything that you possess, the shoes on your feet, none of that you're going to be able to take to heaven. None of it. So what things should be most important? The things that should be most important above all things should be, number one, our relationship with God, and number two, our relationship to people. Hmm. Because we will all head to eternity, and once we get there, what will the newest smartphone what the newest gadget mean to us in heaven? Nothing. Totally devoid of value. So where should our thinking be? What else did Jesus say? Jesus said, give to God the things that are God's. 
Give to God the things that belong to him. What exactly belongs to God? Uh, we know this, Psalm 24, verse 1 and 2. Psalm 24, verse 1 and 2. What belongs to the Lord? It says here, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. In fact, this may be shocking to some, uh, to some of you, but, but Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 26 and 4, uh, that it's acceptable to eat meat offered to idols. Paul says it's okay because... Idols are nothing, Paul says. He says, it all belongs to the Lord. He says, but if you are with a weaker brother and sister who has a problem doing it, then go ahead and don't eat. Why? Not for your sake, but, but for their sake. Why? Because they are the weakest. They are the weakest. I remember years ago, my wife can, can definitely bear testimony of this, that sometimes I go to a restaurant and I see Buddha or uh, multi multi-armed God in certain restaurants and I would not eat there. I would not eat there. Because I wasn't as strong at that time. But now I walk in, I'm saying, that ain't nothing. Okay, I go, go, go ahead, serve me up, that ain't nothing. But if I was with a brother or sister who had a problem with us, okay, let's go to a different restaurant. Why? Because they would be the weakest and I would be the strongest in the Lord because I would know better. I know what the scripture says. So what Paul does in this case, Paul also refers to, if you read on, uh, Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He refers to the same thing. So if everything really belongs to the Lord, that means that Caesar put his face on something that belongs to God. Where did Caesar get the material in order to stamp his face on? He got it from the earth. The earth is the Lord, so that means that Caesar put his face on something that belongs to God, which makes Caesar a fraud. Caesar is a fraud. But the point Jesus made had nothing to do with stuff and everything to do with people. Jesus really didn't care about money because that was not the purpose of his life. The purpose of Jesus' life was the redemption of the human race. Why? Because we have the image of God imprinted on us. You're saying, what? Okay, you know the passage. Come on, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Come on. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Look at this passage, please. Genesis 1, 26. And for those of you who don't know, Genesis is the first book of the Bible. Amen? That should be easy to get to. What does it say? It says, let's read this together as loud as you can read it. Genesis 1, verse 26. Nice and loud. Here we go. Let's read it together. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our, ah, as Caesar attempted to emboss his mug on coins, 
God has inscribed his image on us. So if the coin belongs to Caesar, we belong to God. There it is. So people, that's us, that's you and me. We bear the image of God. So if we were to give to Caesar the things that really belong to him, at the end of the day, Caesar gets nothing. He, he doesn't get anything. But if we were to give God everything that bears his image, then all of us would belong to him. This was the entire purpose of Jesus being here on earth, brothers and sisters, to reclaim what belongs to him anyway. For God so love right? For God so love me, for God so love you, right? Uh, he sent Jesus Christ to reclaim what belongs to God. You belong to God. I belong to God. It's not going to happen unless we know Jesus Christ. Yeah, some people act like they belong to nature. I belong to Mother Nature. I came out of a blob, right? Some people act like they came from nothing and nothing that they will return. Well, I tell you, they're going to get something for their nothingness, all right. But if the bottom line is if God values people, guess what? We also should value people. We should care for people. We should love people. We should not push people down. If God calls you beautiful, who are you to say that they're ugly? If, 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 if God says that you are very, very precious, how dare someone comes up and say, you ain't nothing. You see, by the words of your mouth, you are bringing damnation on yourself. Because the words that are coming out of your mouth are in opposition to what God has created. It is in opposition to God's created order. You see? We should value all life, whether it is the life that we see or the life that's in the womb. This means that, yes, black lives matter. It means, yes, white lives matter. It means, yes, yellow lives matter. It means, yes, that the life of the unborn matters. But it also means when anyone in any of those categories or any category that I miss, if they are maligned, if they are marginalized, if they are otherwise unfairly treated, we as followers of Jesus Christ should care deeply and we should speak up for them. Amen? Why? Because they bear the image of God. In either case, we should not pretend as if one life is more important than another because God says he loves all people. All people have the image of God emblazoned in our hearts but uh, don't realize it and don't live like it yet. Whereas the Jewish leaders took sides, neither did Jesus. But he set up a parameter he said we should value the things that God values and 
At the top of that list is people who are made in God's image. So, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we should value anything and anyone that God values. Amen? What should we value as followers of Jesus Christ? Anyone or anything that God values. If you don't, you are living and bringing condemnation upon yourself. <laughs> and guess what? It may not be today, but God is going to hold you accountable for the words and your actions. Mark my words. It's on the way. Amen? Let's pray.